Why am I doing this podcast? It's a good place to start today on this episode of Alone with Peter because if you remember where we left off, we were talking about making New Year's resolutions, making them smarter, uh, setting good goals for myself. And I think in order to do that, it's important to understand why do I want to do what I'm doing in the first place. There's a famous author. His name is Stephen R. Covey. If you haven't heard of him, I encourage you to check him out. His book that I'm reading right now and I tell everyone about is called Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. Now, Stephen Covey is well known to people who are interested in productivity and just being more efficient, better human beings in every aspect of their life. The book is really amazing and it goes into depth about life principles, which are basically this concept that life is based on things that are unchanging truths, life principles. And if we can construct our lives around those principles, we can give ourselves a foundation for success and to be, you know, living a morally upright life and be more available to others, really to be able to envision our goals and take ownership of our own successes as well. And it's very, very exciting stuff, very well articulated in the book. Like I said, I really highly suggest you check it out if you haven't already. But that being said, setting goals that motivate me is the first step, I think, in making a goal to begin with. And what that means is being able to articulate the goal. Why do I want to do this? What am I getting out of it? I remember I went back to university later in life, as I mentioned to you in the first episode. I was 25 when I went to my undergraduate university. And the reason why it took me so long to go back is not because I was not a smart person. I just wasn't a good student coming out of high school. And I remember I did really, really well in the classes that I liked because I enjoyed learning in those classes. Shout out to Mr. Riley, my literature teacher, who's probably the reason why I enjoy writing as much as I do, at least initially. Um, but, you know, shout out also to the teachers who had to deal with me in the classes that I was unmotivated towards. And that's really the bottom line is if you're not motivated to get something done, if you can't understand why you're doing it, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how talented you are, you're not going to get it done. And you're not going to, at least you're not going to get it done well. And so it's important to understand the goal and why it motivates you, because in order to succeed, I think you have to know that. And so let's use this podcast as an example. I want to do this podcast because I can't shut off my brain, for one. I, I need to be able to articulate myself. So this is a little bit therapeutic for me, you know. And uh, in my daily life, it would be torture to others to, uh, to just sit here and talk to them blah, 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 like this, you know. And uh, I hope if, you know, you can take me in doses. That's, that's the kind of one of the points of this podcast is for me to be able to have an outlet to just say what I'm thinking and uh, also to be able to organize those thoughts in a way that's coherent and, uh, and understandable. And if someone wants to hear what I have to say, that hopefully you find it entertaining, informational, and uh, yeah, so that's one of the reasons that motivates me to do this podcast, but it's not the only one. 
the other reason I'm motivated to do this is because I'm trying to switch up kind of my career goals in the near future. And so I'm going to use that as the lens uh, to really explain this whole process is, is what do I want to do next? And what am I getting out of this podcast to get there? So Stephen R. Covey talks about something specifically called starting with the end in mind. Now, what, what does that mean? Setting a goal and starting with the end in mind. The concept, like I said, is based on that unchanging life principles, right? So if I can begin with the end in mind, what that means is I have to be able to visualize what I want in order to take the steps to get it. And you work backwards, actually. And this is not just something in the book that I'm telling you about. This is something that people who talk about productivity acknowledge is a very important aspect of being a productive human being is that if you have the end goal in mind, you can take the steps to get there. Not only will you be more motivated, but you'll know what you have to do to get it done. To kind of quote part of the book, it says here, begin with the end in mind is based on the principle that all things are created twice. There's a mental or first creation and a physical or second creation to all things. I really like that, that things are created twice, meaning that you have to have that vision before you can ever make it a reality, right? It doesn't just happen. You know, that's why the people that you're the most inspired by oftentimes are people who had to overcome great adversity, right? To see, like, for example, someone who's a paraplegic to do a marathon. I was, I did a marathon here in South Korea and they had this guy who started the marathon who is blind and he's run, uh, I can't remember exactly how many marathons, but a lot in his life. And the guy is so inspirational because why? Because he's blind and yet he doesn't allow that to stop him from actualizing his goals. And so when you meet somebody like that or you hear about somebody like that, it's really touching, but it's also incredibly inspiring because they didn't allow their situation to control them. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but I'll reread that quote really quickly. Begin with the end in mind is based on the principle that all things are created twice. There's a mental or first creation and a physical or second creation to all things. In the book, Covey gives the example of building a house, right? You have to have the blueprint. You have to understand what has to happen, right? To build the house. If you don't have enough nails, if you don't have the right, uh, the right wood, if you don't know the dimensions of what you're trying to build, you're not going to get very far and no one's going to actually green light the project to begin with, right? If you're from California, like I am, it's absolutely insane probably to, to do these kind of blueprints. A friend of mine is trying to build his own home in his backyard and he's having to learn all these very intricate processes for, blueprinting the house before he can ever even think about starting that home. So that's a very tangible example, I think. Um, and I'll try to give an example of my own with my own goals later to kind of really cement this idea, uh, pun intended, that you have to have the first the mental creation and then the physical manifestation later. So beginning with the end in mind is really about assuming responsibility for the manifestation of both. 
it's really easy to to look at the hard parts of life and say, man, if only I was in a different situation, you know, if only I wasn't such a big procrastinator, I would hammer out all these podcast episodes. If only my boss was more understanding and valued me more as a human being, I'd enjoy my job more. You know, if only, if only, if only. And unfortunately, while that attitude is very understandable, it's not helpful. Um, and so I'm, I'm not referring to anything to do with like culpability or, you know, who's to blame in any of the situations. That's not my, my point in making this statement. But what I think is important to understand is that if you want to succeed in life in any avenue, whether it be your relationships, your career, you know, your personal habits, just your absolute happiness as a human being, you have to take ownership for manifesting that. And it starts with that mental visual manifestation that comes after physically, right? So that circle of influence that he talks about, there's actually two parts. There's the circle of influence, and then there's a circle of concern. The circle of concern was that part I just mentioned where you're kind of thinking about like, oh my gosh, if only. Because when you say if only what you're really doing is you're uh, you're kind of like you're admitting to yourself that those things are outside of your control uh and that there's something you can't really do about that now in one aspect that's true that the circle of concern is something that you know you wish you had a control over but you don't so there's two ways to to kind of combat this problem you can either focus on the fact that you can't control it or you can change your mindset towards it. And that's really powerful. And, and it's something that he goes into great depth in that book. And there's actually a lot of examples living in past who are just uh, absolutely inspiring because what they did was they focused on their circle of influence, which is themselves and their mindset towards the things around them and what they can do to visualize and physically manifest the things that they want in their life. And what ended up happening was that inner circle of influence expanded. And it kind of started to take over that circle of concern. So the person who admits they take ownership of what they can control, but they also admit what they can't, that person actually is more likely to be able to control their circle of concern in the end than the person who focuses on it. I think to keep that in mind as we move through life is really important that we have the choice. How do I want to react to this situation? What do I have control over? And there's something freeing about that to be able to say, you know what? I don't have control over this situation, at least not the aspect of it that I'm concerned about. And so I'm going to let it go. It's not my problem. I can reevaluate it later, right? Maybe something changes in the scenario and you have more control and then you can do something. But to be proactive in the areas that you can do something and let the rest of it go is a really freeing, stress-reducing uh, practice that I highly encourage you to give a try. Um, so, all right, on to the next thing. Imagining your eulogy is a very depressing thing to think about. You know, what will people say when I die? It's a very morbid idea. But actually, even though it's very sobering, it's a mental practice that is very helpful for recognizing what we really value in life. So because if, if we're talking about beginning with the end in mind, that's the ultimate end, right? When I'm dead, it's over. Or, you know, if you believe in an afterlife, you're going to the next place. But this physical form that we're referring to right now, this mortal coil, is gone. It's over. 
So to be able to begin with that end in mind, it puts a lot of the other stuff into perspective, right? How much does the job matter? How much do your relationships matter more? How much does your legacy matter? You know, what, what do I want people to think about me when I'm gone? That idea really helps me to understand what those core values are. So to be able to identify what it is that I think is important in life allows me to create a mission statement for my life. Now, this is something that feels very overwhelming to me, and so I actually haven't done it myself yet. Um, hopefully, I can get around to it this year. It's one of the many things that I've written down. But I think to be able to be introspective enough to think about what really matters to me, what defines my happiness, my success as a human being. If I'm gone tomorrow, what are the things that I hope people will say about me? It might be even more sobering than you want it to be, because often for most of us, myself included, we're not doing the things that matter the most. We're worried about the small things, all the stupid small fry things. I left church today and I was really hungry and I'm not a happy person when I'm hungry. I get so hangry and I was, you know, cursing at the stop sign. You know, it's stupid. It's stupid the things that you let stress you and worry you from day to day when, you know, it, it could be over in a flash. It could be done. And uh, I don't want the eulogy to be, you know what? Peter was a pretty good guy, but he had a hard time controlling his anger, especially when he was hungry. And that's a pretty crappy, you know, eulogy. So I, I want to be able to step back from that. So we've established our goal, hopefully. We have the end in mind. Now the next step is to write it down. And that seems pretty simple, but I think there's something about physically writing something down or at least you know, typing it out that allows you to have that ownership we were referring to earlier. That physical manifestation, that's the first step of it. To really be able to visualize it concretely in words helps me to take ownership of the goal. Now, I do want to pause for a second here to say this is really important, I think, and exciting that the goals we set for ourselves should align with our mission statement. And that should align with our everyday actions. It all dovetails together. I really think there's this holistic approach to life that's, that's really accurate. That if I'm following the groundwork of life principles, if I'm following these fundamental tenements of life, um, then the rest of it's built off of that. Now, a lot of us, the foundation is rocky in spots, right? Like we might be really good in one area, but our foundation is not so solid. The blueprint might need some reevaluating in other areas. And that's where I think that holistic approach is potentially frustrating, but also very uh, exciting because, you know, if there's something to work on, that's normal. Every, nobody's perfect, as I mentioned in the last episode. Nobody's perfect, but we're supposed to be striving towards perfection. So if I've run out of things to work on, then that's pretty sad. There's always something to get better at. So having flaws is just like, you know, it allows me to have a goal as a human being. And if I don't have a goal as a human being, I'm wandering. I'm, I'm aimless and, and I'm unhappy, I think. I think that's probably true for most of us. So it's exciting and it's important to remember that this stuff all fits together in every aspect of your life. All right, so we've written them down, and this is where the SMART goals come in. So what are SMART goals? I've mentioned that word so many times already, and I haven't even like gotten into it. SMART goals. SMART stands for um, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, 
and time-based. Why do I want this is the first question with the SMART goal. Why do I want this? Does it align with my core values? If I can really answer that question, that's a good first step. Because everything leads back to that mission statement, right? The one that I haven't written. <laughs> Oops. Um, so let me read off a few of, the, of my goals to really hone in on what a SMART goal might look like. Give you a better idea here. Something more tangible, right? Something more physical that we can manifest. All right. Again, SMART, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-based. Here's some questions to ask yourself. If you know what the end goal is and you're trying to work your way back to make a SMART goal, here's some things that I've, I've found that I think are helpful to consider. First is who is involved in this goal? So who, who needs to be participating in this goal? Now, I would imagine for most of us, that's going to be just me. I am doing it because, you know, we can't control that much from other people around us. But all right, so who is involved in the goal? What do I want to accomplish? Um, you know, that's that end goal that we want to have in mind. Where is this goal going to be achieved? So being specific enough to say, like, I want to ride every day. Where do I need to do that? My apartment's pretty small. Uh, you know, I just have a kitchen and then the living space, which is my living room and bedroom combined, uh, washing room area and a bathroom. So it, for me, it's pretty simple. I'm riding in my bedroom. That's where I'm doing it. And my goal is to ride every day. Now, the next question, so that's who, what, where, right? Who is involved? What do I want to do? And where is it going to happen? The next step is when. When do I want to achieve this goal? That's the time-based part that's really important, I think. And, you know, the, the really easy one to point to, the really easy goal to look at is the person who comes with the New Year's resolution to be in better shape next year, right? To be more healthy. A lot of people, they take that gym membership in January, and where are they in February? Wishing they had that money back because they didn't go at all, right? Why did they fail at that goal? Or if that's you, why did you fail at that goal? I think the reason why is probably because you weren't specific, measurable, you didn't make it achievable, realistic, or time-based, right? So my goal is I want to go to the gym more this year. That's not specific enough. When are you going to go to the gym? What are you going to do at the gym? Where is the gym? What gym are you going to go to? Why do you want to go to the gym more? Okay, so to make that goal more specific of to change it from I want to go to gym more this year to I want to go to the gym this year, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week at this time, and I want to work on these things. And this is what I want to get out of it. That's the fifth step is that why. Why do I want to achieve this goal? I want to lose X amount of weight. I want to put on X amount of muscle. I want to say that I went three days a week. Whatever it is, it needs to be very specific and measurable so that we can say, well, did I get it done or not? Right? So if you can't say, yeah, I did the goal today, then it's not measurable. 
achievable. Now, this is where you need to be thinking about it. This kind of dovetails with realistic pretty closely. Achievable, like you need to make it something that you can actually get done and, and concretely know what it is you want to get done. So that's that's that end goal is really important with the achievable part. And then realistic, it, it, this goal might not be possible. If you, you don't want to set yourself up for failure, right? If you want to say like, I want to lose, I want to go to the gym seven days a week and just ab get absolutely shredded. I want to lose 40 pounds of fat in a year. You know, that, that might not be a very realistic goal. Maybe start a little smaller and just saying that you want to go three days a week and for an hour. You know, and that's that's measurable enough and it's more realistic. And then the last part, that time-based, not you can't just say Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You need to say Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's a smart goal, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-based. The next thing is to really create a plan and put it into action. So I broke my riding goal down into months so I could reevaluate over time, which I think is very important. And I'll kind of talk about more here in a second, but I wanted to show you what that looks like. So for February, I wrote down that I want to have a pilot podcast episode finished. Check. That's done. I got that done last week. Um, and I want to bank three more and get album artwork done from a friend. So as far as banking three more, I want to have four podcasts done before I actually release this to you guys, right? So you'll know if it's if this is you're listening to this in February, it means I got that goal done. Hooray for me. If I'm looking at this and I can really answer these questions, who is involved? That's me. What do I want to get finished? Four podcast episodes by the end of February. Where am I going to get it done? In my apartment, in this room where I'm recording it right now. When does it need to get done? the end of the month. Why do I want to achieve this goal? Voice acting and narration and those other things. This audio recording stuff is, is a good practice for me. All right. So I can, I can answer those smart questions, which is a good sign. Now, as I was mentioning a moment ago, it's important to be able to revise your goals every month or so um, and to be able to prioritize tasks. And everybody does the priority stuff a little bit differently. Um, and I haven't tried and found an exact formula that works for me, but I have been like just messing around with different things that I think are important. Um, and I'll mention some of those to you right now. So, so one thing I've been wanting to put more into practice is to list three or four of the most important tasks for the day that need to come first. Now, the reason why it's important to have that priority list of what needs to get done first is studies show that you're most productive in the morning. So the most important task they say you should really get done at the beginning of the day when you have the most energy and creativity. Anything that comes after is not as important. You should hopefully get it done, but you should start with that most important task. So three or four of the most important things to be able to write them down. And I saw somebody do this where they, if you imagine there's a square and that's kind of broken into quadrants, four quadrants. And those quadrants, you can think of the top left corner being urgent. You know, this is the most important thing I need to get done. Uh, important is the bottom left quadrant. So urgent and important is that left half of the square. And then the second side, that right side, the top would be, I want to get it done. And the bottom right quadrant would be, it's not important. Like that's icing on the cake, baby. If I get that done, that's amazing. I could really pat myself on the back and have a beer tonight because that was just killer. But 
to be able to list the most important things in that top left quadrant so that I can make my you know priority list for the day. That's really, really big. All right, so another person that I've been reading recently and a huge fan of is Stephen King. I love his books, but he also has an amazing book called On Writing, which is, is a really good tool for writers, uh, aspiring writers who are really trying to um, you know, hone their craft. But one of the things he talks about, I think, was really apropos for just having a goal and, and putting it into action. And what he said is, when you're writing, you need to be in the same spot every day with no distractions, right? So no phone, no TV, blow up your TV, any your phone's not around, there's no people, just you, and you write in the same place every day, and you start at a specific time, and whatever your goal is for the day has to be completed. You have a specific start time, but no end time. Bottom line, you have to train your brain to do that. By starting at the same time and in the same place every day with minimal to zero distractions, what you're doing is you're telling your brain, I have to be creative right now. This is the place where I'm creative. This is my happy place. This is my creative spot, and I'm going to let it flow. And that takes a lot of discipline, right? But it builds a habit. It trains your brain. This is the spot where this is going to get done. So I really like that idea, and I've been trying to put that in a place when it comes to all of the different habits. You know, is is if I can attach a place to a task, it helps me get it done. So make it a habit. Be proactive and consistent, Peter. Come on, man. Uh, another area where that productivity comes into play is kind of if-then scenarios for when life gets in the way. Because I'm a big-time procrastinator, especially. That's what kills most of my creative endeavors. It's a lot of anxiety about not being able to fully actualize what I think is the potential of something. But if I'm going to finish a task, it's important to actually take into account the if-then scenarios for when life gets in the way. So here's an example. If I decided that I'm going to write every day from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., if a friend asks me to spend time with them that day, I need to make sure that I tell them, sure, I can hang out, but it has to be after that time, right? And then that way I'm actually anticipating something that might get in the way, right? So I always get hungry in the morning. So that's why I put it from eight o'clock to nine o'clock in the morning in my example is I need to get my breakfast and my coffee before I start writing. And then I can really focus in on the task. This could manifest itself in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. You have to think about what your if-then scenarios are. But maybe if you have a family, you know, if you're a father and you're trying to work on a side project, you need to be able to tell your wife and your kids, hey, uh, I really need to get this done. This is an important task to me. So from this time to this time, I can't be available. That's going to take some communication with the people around you. But I think it's an important aspect to being proactive and consistent, which is the hardest part, I think, for any of us. At least for me, it is. Now, another area that I hinted at earlier is implementing the half rule. A lot of times I have these big ambitious goals, right, to, to do something amazing, like writing a book. Now, if I think about the concept of writing a book, that's so overwhelming. There's so much that goes into that. The research, the first draft, the second draft, getting in contact with an editor, setting a theme, all those different things to make it what it can be. Even if you have the idea done and you have the like, skills to do it, the sheer enormity of the task can really stop you from getting it done a lot of times. And then the amount of time that it takes to get it done too, right? So... Implementing the half rule is kind of the way of dealing with that problem. Let's use the example of learning Spanish. I want to be able to be conversational in Spanish by the end of the year. Okay, if that's my goal, conversational at a five-year-old level. So 
let's say that's December 31st. At that point, I can stop and I say, did I get the goal done? Yes or no. Cut that in half. January, February, March, April, May, June. Yeah, June. I need, I need to be able to say in June, okay, I'm halfway to the goal. I did X, Y, Z. If I can list off and say, okay, I've done half of the steps I need to to get to the end of this goal, halfway, then that's really the that's really the gist of the half rule. And then you just keep cutting in half and in half and in half and in half until you're getting down to like a weekly basis, right? That's where you take something really big and you kind of break it down into manageable chunks. And and to me, I really loved reading about that and I'm excited to try to really put into play more and more. So maybe the better example than my Spanish one is is the riding because I've kind of you know thought that through a little bit more is I want to be able to ride every day. So that end goal, what does that look like, right? Well, it's 365 days of riding. If I'm breaking that down to every month, I, I should be able to look at the end of the month and say, well, did I ride on these days? I have something for each of these days. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's the half rule to be able to take this big, enormous goal and, and you have to be able to list off what the things are you need to get done. And by cutting it down into a half and then a half of that, you can really start to envision the steps necessary so you can actually physically manifest it. All right, get it? Got it? Good. I hope so. Now it's time to reevaluate those goals as time goes on. So one thing I've noticed is my writing goals have gotten really whack. I have not been able to write every single day. It's totally killing me. I'm so frustrated. Uh, maybe what that means, though, is I need to alter my goal. It's not realistic enough. You know, that R and SMART is not doing it. I need to be able to alter that to encompass all of my creative goals. And then maybe I'm getting it done more often. So I need to be writing every day or podcasting or practicing Spanish or... I need to be working towards one of those goals every day. That should be more of my focus because you want to set yourself up for success. You know, you don't want to bite off more than you can chew and then beat yourself up when you can't get it done. So let's review because I've been talking for a while now. Identify your goals. Why am I doing this? Beginning with the end in mind so I can visualize that goal, assume responsibility for it, and manifest it into being. I listen to Bill Burr's podcast. A lot of times he just rants like this, but sometimes he does an interview. And he did an interview with the drummer of the Black Crows. And the drummer's got a really amazing story. You know, these guys are really famous rock stars. They, they've toured with the Rolling Stones and a bunch of other people. They're very well known. They're a very successful band. Drummer hadn't even been drumming for a year before he joined the band. In fact, he'd been drumming for a couple of months when they recorded their first studio album. And he ended up becoming this amazing drummer. And I remember listening to what he was saying and just being blown away. He envisioned being a drummer and he imagined what the steps were like before he ever started drumming. So he'd always listen to drummers and think about what they're doing before he actually started drumming. And he said that he was able to just, I love this quote. He said, I've manifested a lot of shit out of nothing in my life. And I just listened to that. I thought, hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say, guys. Manifesting shit out of nothing. You gotta be confident enough to think that, hell yeah, I want this and I'm gonna do it. And now I need to just figure out how. Manifesting it out of nothing, taking that a step further when we're talking about the end goal being dead. What do I want to be remembered for, right? That's 
That's a pretty good motivation, if you ask me, to identify those core values, make that mission statement, which, as I said before, I'd like to share that with you all when I finally get it done. That's a big, big thing for me. I really want to finish that mission statement because it's all holistic. That's the exciting part. Your whole life is connected, creating smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-based prioritizing them, finding a system that works for you. You know, what works for me isn't necessarily going to be the same for you. Reevaluating that stuff if we need to. And, you know, I can't be too hard on myself for not riding every day. I've, it does bum me out for sure. But I got to keep plugging. I got to reevaluate the goal, make it more realistic. Maybe, maybe stepping back a little bit. Maybe I'm riding every other day. I just have too many different goals right now. And then to manifest it and live my best life. That's that's the end goal. That's really the end goal for all of us, I think. So do you have a goal in mind for this year? Thoughts on the episode or the show in general? I'd love for you to drop a review on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast and let me know. What is your goal? How do you want to manifest it? And uh, that's it for today. On the next episode of Alone with Peter, I'm going to talk about living abroad, why I chose Korea, and what I learned from a year in the countryside.